Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance welcome everyone to a special emergency edition of the nba podcast i'm brian toporic and we are we were planning on recording our central division preview today which we will do a little bit later but we are gathered here to discuss the end of the carmelo anthony era in new york the knicks finally traded him uh, to the oklahoma city thunder on saturday so we will discuss both sides of that and we will also touch upon the nba's war against our the u.s president before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? FIBA Mellow! <laughs> Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid seven. 29 to 811 select styles excludes in-store clearance <laughs> so you're excited yeah hell yeah sarah are you good morning i mean yeah I, yeah i've been trying to like study up and, and do some work here at nba twitter <laughs> has exploded multiple times it's pretty incredible right i was not expecting that when i woke up this morning but <laughs> i i was telling Boyd before like i should have known something was up because Woj. let's go back to friday night out of the blue Woj tweets that Carmelo has expanded his list of destinations where he would waive his no-trade clause. He said it included the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, all summer he's been trying to push his way to the Rockets. The Knicks didn't want to take back Ryan Anderson. They couldn't find a deal that worked. So then he expands it to Cleveland. Then Ian Begley of ESPN reported also that Oklahoma City Thunder were on the list. Um, and then, you know, Cleveland is in the kind of the same situation as Houston was. They don't have any, like, big short-term contracts that are salary filler that they would want to give away like they're not going to give away Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony because that defeats the purpose of acquiring Carmelo Anthony so Cleveland didn't really seem feasible OKC as as it turns out uh was so on Saturday Woj broke the news right around lunchtime uh the Knicks sent Melo to OKC for Ennis Cantor Doug McDermott and the Bulls' second-round pick that they acquired in February. Uh, so, Mort, I want to send this to you first, since your former team was largely responsible for this deal. Uh, what do you think of, for I guess, A, the price that Melo ultimately went for? 
this whole summer has just been, you know, you can buy superstars very, very low. And Sam Presti has just taken advantage first with Paul George and now Carmelo. And I'm, I'm loving every bit of it. Like we finally saw someone take advantage of the market. I have been wondering all summer long why someone wasn't aggressively going after these guys who could have been had for virtually nothing. In regards to the Bulls role, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) did we really expect anything else? I'm just glad that someone else just proved that the Bulls are shit, I mean, instead of themselves. (laughs) They prove it on a daily basis just by the way that they are talking to beat reporters and whatnot. But finally, a a team goes, oh, thank you for these assets that you viewed as a throw-in. We're going to use it as, you know, hardcore principles in a mellow trade because why not? We can't, you can't because you're idiots. Bye. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. And I was saying this on Twitter earlier, like, good luck to the people who have to vote between Sam Presti and Daryl Morey for executive of the year because Sam Presti now pulled off two trades for stars and gave up, you know, he gave up his two worst contracts on the books. He got rid of Oladipo and Cantor. So even if, like, all yeah. three of those guys leave next year, at least they don't have money tied up into bad contracts anymore. But then Daryl Morey also, you know, getting CP3 to pick up his player option and, like, <laughs> acquiring every non-guaranteed contract in the league, basically, to trade for that. Uh, both guys did top-notch jobs this summer. So kudos to Sam Presti for, you know, that. that Thunder are really facing uh, a precarious situation because Paul George is going to be a free agent in 2018. He has made no secret that he is openly flirting with the Lakers and the Lakers will have the cap space to sign him. Russell Westbrook has had a five-year, $200 million plus extension on the table all summer. He has yet to sign, so he could be a free agent in 2018. He also played his college ball in UCLA. Like, There's a chance both of those guys left instead of, you know, kind of hedging his bets and saying like, well, you know, we don't want to tie up any more money into long-term players in case those two guys leave. Like it, it's a big gamble to trade for Carmelo because Carmelo could pick up his player option next year. Westbrook and George could still leave. And, you know, you're stuck with Carmelo on like a $25 million deal on a rebuilding team. That said, Sarah, uh, now, you know, the Thunder are probably going into the year with a starting five of, Westbrook, Roberson, Paul George, Mello, Stephen Adams. You have Patrick Patterson off the bench. How do you see Mello fitting in OKC? It's going to be interesting. Um, Synergy tweeted out pretty much right after the the trade uh, news came through. I guess you know the call hasn't been made yet, but uh, everything is apparently agreed upon. Um, Synergy tweeted, only two players scored over 625 combined post-up and isolation points last season, Russ and Mello. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's great to have players with with that ability, um, but it will be interesting trying to get them to play off of each other. It's it's entirely possible. Um, They're going to have to take turns, and we've seen them do it in international competition. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't say that they can't do it. Um, but each guy is going to have to understand, you know, it's a very different situation from Russ's situation last year. I think partially he'll be glad for that, but it will be an adjustment. Um, we were already talking about it with, with Paul George. I, I was a little worried about the fact that they might quibble over who's going to get the last shot because we know mm-hmm. Russ is used to taking them, um, <laughs> yeah. whether he should or not sometimes. Uh, Paul George, 
has gotten on teammates publicly about it before that he feels he should take it. Mm-hmm. Um, will he still feel that way? Maybe he doesn't feel that way if he's on the court with Russell and, and Melo. Maybe he is okay with those guys taking it. That'll be the most uh, potential for maybe some disagreement. But overall, I think they're going to be all right. Um, I would really love to see it work. I really would. Yeah. Um, we'll see, though. Yeah, I think it's, if nothing else, it's going to be a fascinating experiment. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, no, none of the moves that happened this summer are guaranteed to work. So, you know, kudos to all of these general managers for taking risks and not just, like, laying down and playing dead for the Warriors. Like, you know, OKC is really going for it, which is great to see. Uh, Mort, you alluded to <laughs> FIBA Mello in our intro there. Do you think that's kind of, do you think he's willing at this point in his career to play that kind of a role in the NBA, take more of a backseat, you know, serve as a complimentary scorer, a catch-and-shoot three-point threat, uh, and cede more of the touches to Paul George and Westbrook? Brian, he played for the Knicks. I think he's willing to I think he's willing to get water. Melo, go fetch some water. Yeah, sure, no problem. I don't think it's going to be an issue at all. I Here's my slight hot take. Melo's going to take 10 threes a game next mm-hmm. season. I think he is so all in. And just like, I don't know, if when you guys were kids, do you play Tekken at all? Does he get like a, you know, a combo style upgrade <laughs> if he goes hoodie and FIBA Melo at the same time? <laughs> oh my God, I hope so. Yeah, because I, I would love to see that. But no, I mean, okay, Russ took a lot of threes last year. And to his credit, he made them. He made 200 triples last season. Did so at, at a percentage, uh, career high, 34% off the top of my head or something along those lines. So he's an improved shooter. Now Melo comes in. And Melo, at least we forget, like we still, as NBA people, we never really seem to update scouting reports. Melo was not a strong shooter in Denver. He shot 31% from downtown, but he has shot 37 in New York on five attempts a game. He's a good long-range shooter now. Mm-hmm. Same can be said of Paul George, who can, I think, 39% last year. So that is suddenly an asset that comes to, to Russ. Like, he's going to have a hell of a lot of opportunities driving the basketball. You have Melo spotting up on one side, Paul on the other side. And Lord knows, like, when one of those guys have the ball, Russ is going to be available as well. I, I love the fit. I think Melo especially, given his age, given that he was in in basketball hell for about seven years. Uh, he's ready i definitely think he's ready to just go on and and look at those guys say you know what i'm here i'm gonna do whatever you guys need me to outside of playing defense obviously but (laughs) yeah offensively speaking i i think he's just gonna take a back seat and get like 18 to 20 very very efficient points a game yeah you know it's funny we just recorded our northwest preview on tuesday and because this league it's already out of date of course but we were mentioning yeah. uh, in that when we were talking about the Thunder, how you know outside of Westbrook and George, they didn't really have any like surefire scoring options, like as a number three option on offense, and we were concerned about mm-hmm. their spacing a little bit. So they went out and got the best third <laughs> option ever. Right? Yeah, like, I am no longer <laughs> concerned about that. Like I think I put Minnesota above OKC in my division standings i would like to formally retract that and place okc (laughs) above minnesota now because like i mean just the the attention that westbrook draws in transition when he's barreling to the rim like he's getting double teamed 
what do you do when you have, as you said, where you have Paul George on one side and Carmelo on the other? Like, someone's going to be wide open. I mean, Andre Roberson, you're, you're obviously going to leave him wide open, but, like, you can't double-team all three guys. There are only five players on the court. So, I, I mean, this, this Thunder offense now, like... I dare say they have potential to be in the top five league-wide. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Definitely. And especially you have Steven Adams out there setting mean screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I and, and, and also, giving Melo the opportunity to play full-time power forward is just... That's a mismatch waiting to happen. Who? What kind of power forward out there can match his speed, even at that age? I mean, that first step is still valid. Mm-hmm. His shooting stroke is still quick as hell. I mean, he is going to beast on those slower, bigger forwards. And Lord knows he can post up. Like, Melo is a, a very a very gifted natural scorer. We talk about natural scores all the time, and, and we also recognize that Durant is probably <laughs> the most natural scorer the league has ever seen when we look at the diversity of the ways he scores. But Melo is right up there alongside him, just like an older version He's not. He's his skills has not diminished. His just his role of interest because of he play playing with the Knicks has diminished. Coming to a team that wins, coming to players who are actually oh I don't know good, <laughs> will help him yeah. uh, move forward. And there are so many positives for this. And one final note on Melo, Tom Thibodeau, when he wanted Melo in Chicago back in 2014 talked at length about how good he is of a passer that people mm-hmm. never really spoke about. Yeah. And he was right. That is something that we have seen in in the last few years. He even averaged four assists per game the year before last year, 2015-2016. Melo is a very, very good passer. We also see it on you know Team USA. Now he has players to actually pass the ball to. Mm-hmm. So we are going to see a very different Melo but I suspect a better mellow overall. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm also glad you addressed the mellow at the four thing because, Sarah, I want to ask about that. Uh, because both Paul George and Carmelo in recent years, one could argue both players are almost better suited to play the four than the three now, but both players have been resistant to doing it full time. It seems like, you know, again, we're in positionless NBA, so... I don't want to say, like, Paul George is going to be the full-time small forward and Carvalho is going to be the full-time power forward or vice versa. Like, I think both of those guys will be largely interchangeable. Um, but how do you see that shaking out? Do you see, do you think Melo is going to be, like, more of a power forward than a small forward? Or do you think it's really just going to go game by game, possession by possession? I would hope that it's going to be somewhat flexible. Um, he certainly, what's hilarious is that I was toying with the idea of Patrick Patterson when we did our Northwest uh, preview, possibly playing some stretch four for them because he shot like 37% on 250 three-point attempts last year. So like, well, maybe that could work out. Well, now they can do so much. (laughs) It's going to be ridiculous. So yeah, you could throw Mello in there. Hell, you could even, if he doesn't want to take the abuse of maybe getting some bigs posting him up all the time on defense, you could almost throw Roberson down mm. there i mean yeah he's mm. somewhat slight but he's long he's not a pushover uh you won't hear me say this a lot so listen in now but he <laughs> probably is the guy who guards Kawhi better than anyone else i can't really Whoa. think of, i can't really think of anybody off the top of my head who does much better than him so you know he's he's got experience with that back to the basket game 
So you can do all kinds of things to alleviate that stress mm-hmm. uh, defensively. And then offensively, yeah, Carmelo, I don't see why he would want to be resistant to that when, as you guys mentioned, he's going to have mismatches all day long. So, yeah, I mean, you can move him to the four, play him there a lot, you, you know, give PG some minutes there. Uh, man, the their, their length, their somewhat defensive versatility with guys like PG and, and Roberson and Patterson, man, mm-hmm. there's so many options. They could really, really uh, play around with flexibility as much as almost any team except for maybe the Warriors. Yeah, so I want to ask about this. I'm gonna, sorry, I'm going to send this to you because it affects your Spurs more than Morton <laughs> and I. So let's just imagine the Rockets, as of now, are going to have Ryan Anderson at the four. The Spurs are going to have LaMarcus Aldridge at the four. That doesn't really bode well for their matching up against OKC. So heading into the season, is OKC now the second best team in the West behind the Warriors? You know what, Brian? I'm not scared because of one reason. (laughs) Rudy Gay is going to rise from the ashes like a beautiful phoenix. He's going to play some four. Kawhi's going to play some four. LaMarcus can slide on down to the five. I'm I'm not afraid. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, so glad you said that. You know, it's one of like her fingers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you said that because... The, the Rudy Gay uh, Kawhi Leonard pairing mm-hmm. is very similar to that of Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. So yeah. I completely agree. It's just the OKC version is just on steroids. Right. Because, you know, Melo is still leagues ahead of Gay. And, and given the Achilles injury, we just don't know what kind of caliber Gay is going to return as. But I agree. Like, theoretically, uh, I'm, I'm not willing to put that as the X factor. Not, not yet. Here's the thing, though. With OKC, they also have Alex Abrines, mm-hmm. a terrific long-range shooter. And they have Terrence Ferguson coming, who's an athletic freak who can shoot as well. Now, bear with me. If you want to go all offense for a few possessions, Paul George is technically long enough to play the five, Melo at the four, and then you go Terrence Ferguson at the three, Abrines at the two, and Russ at the one. That is spacing galore, and I'm not sure any any lineup in the NBA could stop them offensively. Warriors death lineup? That would probably be the best guess, but, I mean, who do you leave open? Why do you have to leave anyone open? The Warriors, they have... Well, okay, <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, then what's, what's the weak link there? Yeah. Draymond? No, not really. Right. Yeah. No, I okay, fair enough. <laughs> Probably the death lineup, but still, that's one team, one lineup. <laughs> it's it's insane though. Yeah. It's gonna be provide it's gonna provide a lot of spacing and I'm pretty sure both guys are gonna play big roles because now you need shooters. Now you have to mm-hmm. pair those three with shooters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I, it's too early to, I think, definitively call them the second best team. Uh, as Sarah alluded to, the Spurs at least have some counters, and the the Rockets do too. They have PJ Tucker, who they could slide up to the four. Ariza can play some four, so it's not like this is going to guarantee swing that matchup in their favor. I do think it cements OKC as a top four seed in the West. Um, you know, I was toying with them in Minnesota, but I think this this puts them significantly ahead of minnesota well it's going to take them probably a little bit of time as sarah mentioned uh, a few minutes ago to just figure out the division of touches and 
push everyone's ego aside. Hopefully, Melo, you know, have a, as you said, hopefully coming for the Knicks, he's really willing to just do anything and just accept whatever role they have for him, even if it means he's the number three option most nights. Uh, but yeah, I, I, Phil Jackson crapped on him, crapped on him for how long? Yeah, I mean, right. you know, can't imagine him not accepting that role. Right. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I, the Thunder were already, I don't remember where we had them in each of our league pass rankings. They were definitely in the top 10 for all three of us. They're now like, I'm, I might be more excited to watch them than any other team in basketball. I'm just, I, I'm so <laughs> captivated by how this works out, especially given the stakes of what happens if this goes south. Yep. So let's turn to the other side of the puzzle now and look at the New York Knicks. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is the that is the correct reaction, Morton. Yes, uh, you know they spent basically a year ruining whatever trade value Carmelo Anthony had to the point where you know they tra- they now traded him for Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second round pick. I, you know, given what. They gave up to get him six years ago. I, I hardly think this is what Knicks fans had in mind when his name was in trade rumors all summer and all year. Uh, you know, Cantor's a good player, but very one-sided. He's a good offensive rebounder, a good scorer, can't play defense for a lick. Same goes for McBuckets, who we talked about earlier this week, and you know he showed promise upon moving to OKC, but now in New York. I mean, more. I guess that's where we'll start. How do you see McBucket's faring in New York now that he doesn't have Russell Westbrook passing him the ball? Similarly, yes, what he did in Chicago and OKC, really, he is what he is, a three-point shooter who does not shoot threes. <laughs> and now doesn't I have mean, a good point guard to pass him the ball. Doesn't have a point guard and, and also has picked up, like, I, I think 20 combined steals and blocks for his entire career, something like that, even less maybe. I'm not sure. It was, It's just a ridiculously no, low number. Um, I'm hoping that Doug breaks out shooting-wise. He's not going to be like an, an overall scorer, even though he did show signs back in Chicago. But I, I just don't think it happens at this stage of his career. Um, even though, like, remember... Being drafted as a senior, always a good sign, right? <laughs> good, good thinking, Bulls. Good thinking, fucking yeah. morons. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, three point wise, maybe, but no, no. He's probably gonna be a twenty minute guy off the bench, and that's for the first month. And then that that amount of minutes is probably gonna sack down to yeah. a whole lot less. Yeah, I'm bummed for him because he really did show some promising flashes in OKC, and it sucks that. He's now heading to a Knicks team where I just don't see him being able to, mm. I mean, fill the role that he did in OKC at least. Like, you know, I, I guess they need shooters, but, you know, they just signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to that four-year, $71 million contract. They still have Courtney Lee. I think it's the, what, the second year of his four-year, $48 million deal. You know, you've yeah. got to figure those two guys are going to be the starting wing, so at best he's going to get 20 minutes off the bench, as you said, Mort. It's not probably it's not promising for his next contract um, at least the knicks didn't trade gary harris and yusuf nurkic for him <laughs> there you go that's true they traded mellow right 
<laughs> I honestly don't know which is worse. Um, well, you can say this about McBug. It's, you know, he has significant trade yes, value, apparently. Yes, trade value. <laughs> That's true. When they flip him next year, it'll pay off in spades. Uh, Sarah, the, the, I was really excited for once Melo was traded, you know, I, I assumed they were not going to get back another center. And I was really excited for the Willie Hernan Gomez breakout year. But I, it seems like we're now going to have to wait a year for that. You know, they still also have Joakim Noah. He's suspended, I think, for the first 12 games of the season uh, coming off of his PED thing from last year. So they have a Sixers-esque logjam at the center position now with Cantor, Hernan Gomez, and Noah. How do you see that position shaking out? That is a good question. They're probably going to start Cantor, you think? Start Cantor and... Well, they can't start him at the five. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, God, yeah. I mean, do you start a front court of Porzingis and Cantor? And then I mean, bring Hernan Gomez off the bench? I'd rather see him get more time, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, bring Cantor off the bench, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, he'll feast on whoever... Yes, they got to do that. <laughs> Let's all throw the prayers up now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, 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 you know, they, they had uh, their general manager had a statement posted on the team website, and he didn't mention Carmelo <laughs> conspicuously, but he mentioned, you know, we have Nikhila Tekina, and we have Porzingis, and we have Hardaway, and we have forget who else he threw in there um but basically just saying like you know we're embracing a youth movement we're embracing a rebuild so i hope as you said that they are still sticking with that and they're going to keep hernan gomez in the starting lineup because he played pretty well especially toward the end of last year like once noah went down and once the suspension kicked in like he and Kristaps worked very symbiotically together and i you know we've seen in OKC, like, Cantor really thrived in that second unit role. Like, just beat up on backup bigs for 25 minutes a game. Like, that's what he is... I, I don't see a way wherever he goes next, because I don't think the Knicks are going to keep him past this year. Like, I think that's just his role in the NBA, and that's until, like, someone figures out how to counter small ball permanently, or unless he figures out how to defend a pick and roll. <laughs> like, that's that's just what these big men who can't defend well that's their role they're going to be second unit guys and we've you mm. know we've talked about that at Nazam in the past um so again for the Knicks sake I hope they stick with this rebuild and you know McBuckets now can be included in that young plan you prioritize his development over playing whatever veteran wings you have maybe give him some time at the four and Chris Dobbs at the five tinker with that and see you know you, you got to figure like you're already halfway through Kristaps' rookie contract, and you know his his numbers jumped a little bit last year. But like, he I don't want to call him a disappointment because like he's on the Knicks and the Knicks are a disappointment. But like he didn't take the step forward that say a Carl Anthony Towns did. So you got to figure out like your primary goal this year is like how do we best utilize Kristaps Porzingis and that. That should be no matter what you do. Like it doesn't matter that you have three centers on the roster. Like you should tinker with him at the five. If he, you know, don't do it full time, but like give him some minutes there and see if he's better suited to play that role. 
Like, don't use Joakim Noah, that mistake of a contract, as a reason not to play around with Porzingis. Yeah, I mean, you would hope that would be obvious at this point, but you just don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, especially now that you move Carmelo, Porzingis has to be the number one. I mean, his his development already should have been the top priority. It right. wasn't, but now what's standing in your way? Yeah, the the Noah contract is bad. Everyone knows it. There's no reason to try to hide it or try to make the best of it by throwing him on the floor. I feel like we have to play him because we're paying him so much. Don't worry about it. Everybody knows it was a bad contract. It's over. Yeah, right. Just deal with it. Like, you have mm-hmm. to just let it ride out on your books but you don't like don't compound mistakes just because you screwed yeah. up once last summer don't use that as a reason not to you know play Hernan Gomez at the center as the starting center and then use Kristaps in a variety of roles that would be it'd be very Knicks of them to <laughs> use a player's salary as reason to play him but um, fingers crossed he will not uh, more now that Melo is gone Sarah said that Kristaps is the number one option how do you see him faring in that role? Well, outside of him and LeBron, are there even any all-stars left in the East? Joel because that's another guy. He, yeah, Carmelo is another guy. It's like five Just, point this... guard, six if you include yeah. Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, yeah. it's it's amazing. Here's another guy going from East to West in yeah. this crazy-ass summer. And and last year, we were all talking about, wow, you know, the, the West is getting almost too strong. Well, giddy up because, <laughs> goddamn. Uh, well, for Chris Tops, obviously, priority numero uno. He's going to be the first guy to take shots. A lot of offense is going to go through him. Um, Natili Kina, you have to question whether he's like a a point guard who can get Chris Tops the right kind of shots because if he can break down the defense, then that's going to open up a lot. If mm-hmm. he can't, that's just going to. That's going to make it a long season for Kristaps, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not sure how he's going to fare because that's, it's going to, he's going to draw a lot of double teams. Yeah. He is going to draw a lot of attention. And we've seen only briefly how he handles it. And he did have this opt-out called Mello mm-hmm. who ran around. And at least, I mean, at least we forget Mello is a good spot-off shooter. So it's going to be interesting I, I want to see some creativeness out of from, from the Knicks this year to open him up and, and get him some quality shots but I'm, I'm questioning whether that is going to happen with Jeff Hornacek there I was, wasn't really overwhelmed with him as a coach so yeah. we'll see yeah I, I mean I remember even you know last year at some point on this podcast I think when the mellow trade rumors started really bubbling up I kind of expressed some nervousness about once he gets traded, you know, I figured they weren't going to get a superstar in return for Melo, and I figured that would elevate Kristaps into that number one role. And, like, you know, he's the toast of the town now because everyone loves him and he fared well as number two, and no one knew anything about him when he was the number four pick, and he got booed, and then he turned out to be a really great player. Like, what happens if he doesn't? hit the ground running this year like does the new york media suddenly turn on him as they are want to do anytime you know a player plays poorly for three games and all of a sudden he's plastered on the back of the new york daily news calling him like he probably trash he probably jumps on a plane goes back to latvia without informing the team <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> floyd knows the knicks had history of that last year with derrick rose yeah. so that's good 
Moit says, I asked Sarah if OKC was the second best team in the West now. Let's go with the inverse for the Knicks. Where does this put them in the tanking race? Oh, that's a good question. Hopefully they're still ahead of the Bulls. I think they will be. I mean, yeah, because I, I, I just I want to see Chicago lose so badly. They deserve it. They deserve every <laughs> every ass kicking that they're gonna get. So yeah, you have you have Porzingis, even though he's probably gonna struggle a little bit with the added attention. It's probably gonna take him a few months to adjust. I still think he's gonna have a hell of a season. I mean, anything below twenty points a game now is just way major disappointment for him it has to be like that that has to be the lowest acceptable point total for him at this point for sure um and, and when you have a guy averaging 20 it's just it does something mentally to to opponents like oh this we need to pick we need to pick up this guy a little bit more he averages 20 there is like a mental barrier going on there um which i think he's going to carry with it and and then we are we have laughed about this contract a lot and, and rightly so, but I do believe that Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to have like a better season than he did have, or he had previously with, with both them and mm-hmm. the Hawks. I mean, he's going to get as many shots as he wants, yeah. basically. Uh, and and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he broke 20 a game. I mean, it really wouldn't. He Probably not all that efficiently, but he, he can be a volume scorer, and his development was heading in the right way, so... You know, cross your fingers. Maybe you get something positive out of him. If not, then it's Noah situation 2.0, and you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, between Anthony and Rose, you have almost you have 34 shots a game to replace with just those two alone. You also lost yeah. Brandon Jennings this summer. Again, Noah suspended for a little bit. Like they have 40 shots a game open from last year's team. So, like, yeah, right. I think you're spot on about Hardaway Jr. Like, both him and Kristaps, if they don't average 20, something went very, very wrong. Because they don't and, have any you know, Right. And Nitsilakina, we don't really know what kind of impact he's going to have. We look at him mostly as this defensive guy, defensive-minded point guard. But you know what? We said the same thing about Dennis Roeder. That's true. Well, so we all hate that a shorter on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, he could be a better offensive player than we actually thought. I mean, yeah. it seemed like he had pretty good spot up numbers. Um, so maybe that carries over. Mm-hmm. Not sure, but he is a six five point guard who has some quickness to him, and and maybe with all the focus on Chris Tubbs and or Tim Hardaway, maybe he flies under the radar, radar a little bit and has a good season. Who knows? Yeah. For Knicks fans' sake, I hope so, but I'm having trouble getting excited yeah. about this team because otherwise, you have like what Ron Baker and Ramon Sessions and Jarrett Jack as your other options at the point, which is just a whole fat lot of nothing. Don't don't knock Ramon Sessions. That dude put put in his time in the NBA. <laughs> it's it's time it's time for keep getting him checks now. It's okay. I has, like that he gets checks. Has he not suffered enough? Does he need to spend this next year on the Knicks? Uh, that's that's a fair point. That's I mean, point. I really... The Bulls, I think, are safe, but I, I think the Knicks really... They might threaten for the second-worst team now. It's going to be close between like them, Brooklyn, and Atlanta. Orlando, Atlanta. Yeah, all of those teams are going to be... Like, Indiana now, I think, is pretty much safe in 10th place. Like, they've... They they are too good for their own good. 
So because they don't are knock capable. Brooklyn, man. I I don't mean knock Brooklyn. I, yeah, Brooklyn. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll do a season predictions pod in a couple weeks where we'll each give our full conference standings and whatnot. So I, stay tuned for that because we we all need, still need to do our projections. Um, Sarah, any final thoughts about this trade on either side? No. <laughs> Although I, you guys were just mentioning all the Knicks options at point guard, quote unquote. <laughs> I literally had to look it up a few minutes prior because I legitimately cannot remember <laughs> who's even playing point out there anymore. Right. Like, so, yeah, it's going to be not so fun. Sorry, Knicks fans. You're like, surely they didn't just go into the season with a rookie <laughs> point guard and no reliable veteran backup options, right? Oh, no, oh. they did. Knicks. Uh, more final word on this trade? <laughs> That's his go-to now. Just laughter. <laughs> Is that directed oh, the next well, I mean, Bulls? Oh, both. Both. I mean, <laughs> look. It's so stupid. You know, it's just... We, we are... I've, I've been on Twitter for so long, and you just see, myself included, at draft night, I was like, if, if Jimmy's going to get traded, he's going to get traded for something good. Yeah. Everyone is just expecting these major returns for star players, and when things go down, unless it's for Kyrie Irving, apparently, it's just like 10, 10 cents on the dollar, and everyone's surprised. Like, this has been a pattern all summer, and we're still sitting there going, wow! Like, we need to pick up on this soon, and NBA teams need to start thinking, hey, maybe I should be a buyer, because <laughs> now's the time. Yeah. That would that would be pretty smart. And Sam Presti, to his credit, did it. And the Knicks, I mean, I, just, I look, the Knicks are the Knicks and the Bulls are the Bulls. That's why I'm laughing. Good on you, OKC, by the way. This is the best way to get over that bad breakup with Kevin Durant. I yeah. say good on you. I love it. And FIBA, hoodie, mellow, Tekken 3 upgrade, whatever <laughs> combo he's going to serve up, I'm going to look forward to it. Ten threes attempted per game for Melo next season. God damn it. Yes, it's going to happen, and I love it. I'm really excited to see if... I feel like the smarter people on Nick's Twitter know that the Knicks did Melo wrong by the end, and they're going to be happy when he's a lot better in OKC than he was in New York. But I'm excited to see all the reaction from casual fans when Melo like, suddenly turns into this hyper-efficient scorer, and they go like, where the hell was that the last five years? It's going to be really fun to watch Knicks. Oh, but Twitter's year. a cesspool for ignorance. Just, yeah. I mean, I'm on there, so right. obviously... <laughs> Well, speaking of which, speaking of Twitter being a cesspool figure, ignorance, Segway. let's go. <laughs> let's go into our other topic, du jour of the day. Before the mellow trade took over basketball Twitter, uh, I, I woke up Saturday morning, log on to my tweet deck account, and see, huh, LeBron James tweeted at the president. Why did that happen? Uh, turns out, so Steph Curry and the Warriors had media day, media day on Friday. Um, a reporter asked Steph if he would go to the White House if the White House, you know, extended an invitation because they won the championship this past year. And Steph said, look, if it was up to me, it'd be a short conversation. No, uh, I don't believe in what this man stands for, like what he says or doesn't say in a clear allusion to his response to the Charlottesville riot. So Donald Trump apparently caught wind of that 
uh, and tweeted Saturday morning, quote, going to the White House is considered a great honor for a championship team. Stephen Curry is hesitating, therefore invitation is withdrawn, exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> LeBron James quickly followed up um, on Twitter and said, he didn't quote tweet Donald Trump or anything, but clearly in a reply to him, you bum, Stephen Curry already said he ain't going, so therefore ain't no invite. Going to White House was a great honor until you showed up. Chris Pyle, uh, Chris Paul piled on and said, with everything that's going on in our country, why are you focused on who's kneeling and visiting the White House? Hashtag stay in your lane. Uh, so first of all, I would like to extend our condolences to those who thought stick to sports was a thing. I'm going to bury it forever. Uh, rest in peace, stick to sports. Secondly, we've there's no need to litigate, you know, the the larger political climate uh, in this country and whether we do or do not support Donald Trump or the NBA players. I want to instead just ask uh, more in general uh, about social activism in particular. So uh, earlier in the month, um, the. Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, and Michelle Roberts, the head of the National Basketball Players Association, uh, they signed a preseason letter to the league's players and said, basically encouraged them to be socially conscious. They said, quote, none of us operates in a vacuum. Critical issues that affect our society also impact you directly. Fortunately, you are not only the world's greatest basketball players, you have real power to make a difference in the world. And we want you to know that the Players Association and the League are always available to help you figure out the most meaningful way to make that difference. I'm guessing Twitter war with the president on a Saturday morning was not what they had in mind, but unlike the NFL, which is continuing to blackball Colin Kaepernick, the NBA is very actively encouraging players to speak out on things they do or do not believe in. So, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Uh, just what, in general, do you think about kind of the NBA's stance toward social activism and encouraging players to, you know, speak out when they feel compelled to. It's commendable and it's important. Um, they are free citizens like everybody else. They're under no obligation to, you know, keep their mouths shut about things that they believe in. Um, no one has to listen. You know, you don't have to listen if you don't want to listen, but they, they should be allowed to take a stance on things if they, if they so desire. So... I'm glad that Adam Silver supports that and Michelle Roberts. Um, it's just, it's a shame that you know every time I feel like our president is presented with an opportunity to try to <laughs> respond to something in the correct way, um, uh -huh. it always comes back like it did this morning on Twitter. But uh, I'm glad that that the players feel that they can stand up and that they're supported in doing so. Um, Jamel Hill made some great points last week. Actually, and I think the video had been had been recorded before that whole thing that happened last week. But mm -hmm. that about why stick to sports isn't a thing. You know that Greg Popovich and Stan Van Gundy and Steve Kerr, people have been making comments. They made comments mm -hmm. last year, and so for her to get called out, it doesn't make sense. Sports and, and politics have been intertwined. You think back to Muhammad Ali, think mm -hmm. back to the Olympics, Jesse. So it yeah, it's. It's just not an argument that makes any sense anymore. Unfortunately, for the people who are still holding on to it, there's no leg to stand on there. 
Right, yeah. Like, not everyone is Michael Jordan and says Republicans buy sneakers, too. Like, if, <laughs> if athletes true, want to speak true out. True business sense makes sense, too, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, Trump went on stage Friday night in a rally in Alabama and said, like, something along the lines of... I mean, he called people who are kneeling... He was speaking in reference to NFL players who are kneeling for the national anthem. He called them sons of bitches and said they should be fired. So... If you know if he you know the president of the United States is like politicizing sports, I don't think it's fair to ask the opposite for sports to stay out of politics. Mm -hmm. If politics are intertwining sports, more I feel like you're gonna have uh, you know a unique perspective here, being from Denmark, living in Denmark, being able to see this from afar, and <laughs> frankly laugh at all of us. Um, oh no, no, I'm. I'm... I am so sorry to cut you off right there, but that is very important to me because I, I am not laughing at, at at Americans in general. I am laughing at the Trump supporters because they simply are so clueless and refuse to see the light. That those I can laugh at because in the end, he's hurting the country and thus he's also going to end up hurting them and they can't see it even though they have every fucking opportunity to do so. Those I'm laughing at. You guys, I feel sorry for because it is completely unreasonable that the average American who is well-read, who understands what's going on in their own country, should live under these circumstances. To have a sociopath, racist, white supremacist moron as president of the United States is just, it's horrible. And here's the thing. While that is horrible... It is also very unfortunate that in the world media, we use so much time to talk about Trump specifically, when so many other countries in Africa and in Asia have leaders who are just as bad. We need to do a better job of that, generally speaking. Now, going back to Trump. And before I do that, by the way, you actually forgot a tweet from Kobe Bryant, which I oh, will right. read. Yep. Yes. A president of the United States whose name alone creates division and anger, whose words inspire dissension and hatred can't possibly make America great again. That is how is exactly how I feel, I should say. I look at what is happening in the U.S. right now. I, I'm looking at a man who is so oblivious to the job that he has run for and is now sitting at that I am... I can look to my left when I'm riding the bus and pick out a random Danish person and know that that person would do a better job than that guy. <laughs> Even though they may, they may, they might not have any understanding of the American, you know, system, right. infrastructure, whatever. To be honest, I'm still precisely <laughs> my point. No one should stick to sports. Because here's the thing. Those people who say stick to sports, they're white. They're all white. I am going to go this far. Not because, I know it's not true. But from here on out, I'm going to have an opinion that's going to say, you know what, If I ever, whenever I see someone say stick to sports, I'm just going to assume that that person's great, 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 great grandparents, you know, were, were slave owners. <laughs> Because that's how I look at them. I look at those people like, you know, hey, if you're a sports guy, you're, you're not allowed to have opinions because, you know, you're my cattle. 
you're my entertainment. You're, you're not a human being with emotions and feelings and opinions, political responsibility. Oh, no, you're just a black guy who entertains me when I want to be entertained. Well, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, you goddamn racist bastard. That's my perspective. It's not unique. At least I hope it's not. Well, damn, Mort, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, no. A lot of swearing there. Sorry for that. That's, that's fair. I mean, you know, even back on election night or right after, I remember feeling like very, you know, I, I think everyone. <laughs> Basically, everyone in our generation just had this, like, black cloud of sorrow over our heads. And the thing that really bothered me almost the most is that, like, I knew it wasn't going to affect me all that much as, like, a white, straight, Christian male. Like, I I was in the least targeted demographic of, you know, what whatever was going to come about from this presidency. And, like, you know, immediately after he got elected... There were clan rallies and people painting swastikas and hanging nooses. And it was like, you know, they're just going after every type of um, minority group there is, really. Um, you know, I think the NBA is a majority black league. So it is uniquely positioned in that regard, um, especially in the wake of what happened in Charlottesville in August and his lack of condemnation or, you know, try, trying to play the both sides and saying there are some really bad people fighting the Nazis. Um, you know, I, I, I think the dog whistles that he's been blowing all year uh, toward that base of people, it's it doesn't take a lot to see through that. Um, and I, th I think, you know, kudos goes out to these NBA players who, like, you know, they... They, they, Michael Jordan, you know, he, as Sarah said, like he had the business acumen to say, Republicans buy shoes. I'm not going to isolate a group of people, like prospective buyers of my product uh, because of my political beliefs. And now, you know, fast forward 25 years and, you know, LeBron James on Twitter called the president a bum, even though, you know, he's got his own sneaker line and he's got his fingers like all over a bunch of business uh, endeavors and, yeah, like maybe it's going to cost him some jersey sales or some sneaker sales or maybe people aren't going to go to Blaze Pizza because LeBron James is anti-Trump. But like, I think it takes courage, um, especially for a guy like LeBron who, you know, during the playoffs, like someone vandalized his home in L.A. and spray painted the N-word on it. Like he's he's a high profile figure who is very easily prone to be targeted in this kind of stuff. So for him to continue to speak out against it, I think takes a lot of courage. Uh, and, you know, and just, I'm like, uh, as an NBA fan, I am so proud of the league and its response to all of this stuff, especially, you know, compared to the NFL, where again, like Colin Kaepernick, he started the protest of the national anthem. He still doesn't have a job. And like, look at some of the quarterbacks in the league playing today. You're telling me Colin Kaepernick isn't more qualified to play in the NFL than, like, Ryan Nassib, who the Jaguars side this week, who is terrible? Or, like, hell, there are starting quarterbacks. Josh McCown, Blake Bortles, 
whoever the hell the Colts are starting, Jacoby Brissett. Like, those, Colin Kaepernick was in a Super Bowl, like, three or four years ago. Like, he deserves to be on an NFL roster, but he is getting blackballed because of his political views. And I think the NBA taking the polar opposite stance and saying, you know, they're not saying, it's not just a, if you're anti-Trump, you could speak out. Like, if you're, you're they're not gonna, <laughs> if someone's pro-Trump, like, Spencer Hawes, is a bleeding heart Republican. Like, they're not going to stop him from speaking out in favor of Trump if that's what he believes. That's fine. Like, I, I, I think it's just commendable of the NBA in general to recognize that, Sarah, as you said, these players have rights. They have First Amendment rights. Like, a company should not be able to restrict someone from saying these types of things. And I, I think, you know, Silver immediately upon taking the job kicking donald sterling out of the league for being a racist shitbag basically uh has continued this social progressivism ever since so it just makes me proud as an nba fan to you know like for my for my favorite sport my favorite sports league to be so ahead of the curve here and you know professional sports it often takes a lot for that ball to get rolling but silver has really he's been one step ahead of it every time so I just think him, Michelle Roberts, the players, they all deserve a round of applause for being willing to stick their necks out on something like this. I would like to add something. You mentioned that some people might not not buy LeBron's jerseys or go to um, a, a pizza place that he apparently endorses. The U.S. apparently lost $2.7 billion from uh, a lack of tourists. Uh, over the first half of 2017 <laughs> guess why obviously uh, so it goes both ways mm-hmm. like you said it's it's a public figure in LeBron who, who goes out and talks against and, and then you have Trump <laughs> who is also a public figure but in the worst way imaginable and he's hurting the brand of the United States LeBron by any measure is strengthening outsiders bond to the United States when he tweets like this. Same goes for Kobe. Same goes for every journalist or you know athlete, whatever, who goes against tyranny, who goes against ignorance. So for anyone out there who's considering sticking to sports, you damn well better or I will beat your ass down. <laughs> Go political. You fucking need to. Like right now. Yeah. There is no point in human history where at least in the modern era where it's been more necessary as right now Mm -hmm. don't stick to sports or you're a coward yeah i i forget who tweeted it the other day i saw someone it, it was about like hollywood actors in the late 1930s and they basically got the stick to sports version of acting like don't speak out against nazism just speak to act or like stick to acting and don't express your views um and then you know we all know what happens and i know i don't want to prove that theorem that always connects donald trump to nazis i'm not saying that necessarily but you know it's a a similar sentiment is like yeah you know in throughout parts of human history when faced against oppressive regimes and uh strong strong beliefs that you are not in agreement with um you know, oftentimes people are being told to just keep that opinion, keep that opinion to yourself. But 
more as you said now is not the time to do that now is the, the exact opposite time to do that so i hope that you know the the twitter war today between kobe and lebron and chris paul and donald trump i hope that's just the start of things to come this year and hell who knows maybe even kevin durant will make another burner account where all he does <laughs> is just tweet me and stuff at donald trump i think that would actually get maybe you know what that's what dwight howard should do that's how Dwight Howard could get back in favor with the NBA community. That was that was hard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was harsh. We forgot to sneak in a, a reference to KD's burner accounts earlier this week, That's so we true. had we had to get at least one joke. He's in there. the happiest guy in the world right now. He's upset <laughs> right. about that. That's like so far in the back of everybody's mind now. It's yeah, incredible that... how fast NBA Twitter moves. That's so true. Oh yeah, he, that is like three stories ago. He's, <laughs> he's clear. Uh, Sarah, do you have any final thoughts on this whole social activism note? No, I just I appreciate where you guys uh, were going there towards the end with, you know, I, I'm not in agreement with silencing anyone's opinion. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not what a democracy is, right? At least that's not what a democracy is supposed to be. You're supposed to be freedom of ideas and movement, and like that's how you get better, ideally. Um, I don't think we should be afraid of what other people think. So that's that's really the main thing. Of course, now that we have social media and the immediacy of being able to tweet exactly what we think the moment we think it, and yeah. some people in the highest office of our country, unfortunately, display that. Sometimes that can be a bad thing. Sometimes, wait yeah. a minute, think about it a little longer. But mm. yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're supposed to be, ideally. Obviously, we don't always hit our ideals, but yeah. We're supposed to be able to share our opinions and, and talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, all, all I'm saying is I'm excited for this week's episode of South Park. Because uh <laughs> should be a good one. Last week touched on Trump tweeting about North Korea. So I can only imagine that we're going to have more on that this week. Uh, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the mellow banter and the talk at the end about activism and what the nba can do in that regard uh again reminder that you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod you can find all of our handles in our twitter bios to give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some reviews we would love any feedback and we're being hosted this year on FanRag sports so check them out on twitter at FanRag sports and for their nba content at FanRag nba Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, Brian. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you two. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.